This is Nutshell Politics, a show where we discuss what you need to know about current events, international relations, political conflict, and my favorite topic of discussion, terrorism. The mainstream media isn't always the best at reporting on international events. They often lack depth, context, and understanding, a problem unfortunately driven by ratings. But here, on Nutshell Politics, I seek to fill those gaps, and most importantly, to make sure you know what's actually going on out there. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a podcast that was recently described as interesting, informative, and hosted by a very handsome young man, according to my mother, Nutshell Politics. I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. I'm excited for another episode today. Now, for today's topic, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to start a new segment that I'm going to run maybe every month or probably every two months or so called Peculiar Politics. And what I'm going to be doing in this type of episode is highlighting a fascinating but very odd tidbit that relates to foreign policy or international relations from history. And each time will be a different country or a different scenario or a different, you know, just strange, unusual event that took place. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it was and why it took place. And so today, this is the story of the time the country of Liechtenstein went to war with 80 soldiers and came back with 81. Now, before I get into the details of that story, and and trust me, this is a true story, uh, very fascinating, but let's talk a little bit about Liechtenstein first. Uh, First, we'll start out with the name. Sometimes you'll hear it pronounced Liechtenstein. I'm going to call it Liechtenstein for my purposes, but it is considered a principality, which means it's led by a prince. It's a constitutional monarchy, and it is a doubly locked microstate. Now, from an international relations perspective, microstate is kind of a vague term, but essentially it means that it is a sovereign country, but usually either because of its very small land area or tiny population, it's unable to fully realize that sovereignty. Either there's some aspect that's missing that they can't obtain or something along those lines. So they are considered a microstate. I believe whether you're talking land area or population, they're either the sixth or seventh smallest country in the world. Other countries on that list of microstates include San Marino, Tuvalu, Nauru, Monaco, and Vatican City, which is the smallest country of all. Now, Liechtenstein, as I mentioned, is about sixth or seventh. Uh, I believe they're sixth in area. They are only 62 square miles. Just to put that into perspective, there are 150 to 200 U.S. cities that are larger than that, including cities like Boise, Idaho, Madison, Wisconsin, Knoxville, Tennessee. So they are quite small. And in terms of population, I believe they're seventh with about 38,000 citizens. Again, put that in perspective, the United States has between 25 and 30 universities that have more students enrolled there than Liechtenstein has citizens. And I'm not talking some of the online universities like the University of Phoenix or Kaplan. These are on-campus universities that have more enrolled students than Liechtenstein has in their entire population. Liechtenstein is also considered unique because they are a doubly landlocked country, one of only two in the world with the other one being Uzbekistan. Doubly landlocked is an interesting term. Essentially means that the country itself is landlocked. It has no access to water, but it is also surrounded by other countries that are landlocked. So in order to find a coastline, you would have to go through two different countries to get to that coastline. And for Liechtenstein, that means they're surrounded by two countries. They're right on the border between Switzerland and Austria. 
Now, partly because of that small population, Liechtenstein actually has one of the largest GDPs in the world once you factor in per capita, once you adjust it for per person. They are, I think they're first or second in the world. And they also have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the world too at only one and a half percent. Now in the past, Liechtenstein has been known as kind of a billionaire tax haven, which probably skews those numbers. It doesn't really have that same reputation now, but they do have very low tax rates. And so part of this leads to some of the wealth of their citizens. Now, a few other interesting tidbits before we get back to their military. Liechtenstein is an alpine country in the mountains, so there's a lot of winter sports here. If you ever tour Liechtenstein or go there, and if you do, actually, you'd be one of not very many. They're one of the least visited countries in the world. Uh, they're actually Europe's least visited country. Only about 60,000 tourists travel to this place. Honestly, I don't really understand why that is. It's a charming place. I, I've never been there myself, but I do hope to get there at some point. And it's actually kind of seen as like absurdly charming. I've seen it read somewhere that it, it's enchanting in a sense. It's very unusual. It's, as I mentioned, very small. It's kind of squeezed into this like half of a valley between Austria and Switzerland. As a country, it actually has more registered companies than it has people. And it's really unusual. It actually has a, tr a railway that runs through the country, but it doesn't have a train station. The, the whole rail line runs all the way through the country and doesn't actually stop in Liechtenstein. Its capital city only has about 5,000 people total. And of all things, it's actually the world's biggest manufacturer of false teeth. So it's kind of this weirdly, absurdly charming little country. It's supposed to be very beautiful as well. But for whatever reason, it's not visited very often. Now, as I mentioned, it is a winter sport destination. So if you do visit, you can go up and ski. They have a ski resort up in the mountains with some pretty beautiful views into Austria mostly. But probably the thing to do most in Liechtenstein is to view its art. It has one of the world's finest art collections in the world, including a museum that's called the Kunstmuseum. It's, uh, it's kind of avant-garde, building a lot of contemporary art. Now, on a political front, Liechtenstein is, as I said, run by a prince. Their current ruler is a guy by the name of Prince Hans Adam II. He is Europe's richest monarch, actually, which is, again, kind of interesting, but fits into their role of being one of the highest per capita GDPs in the world. He's worth about $5 billion. But despite his position as a monarch, politically, he's actually made several almost controversial statements that are very pro-democracy. He believes democracy is the best form of government and essentially believes in a very small government, very limited to a small set of tasks and really only done through the assent of the people. He actually believes that his role as a member of the royal family is something that only gains legitimacy from the people. So that makes him a little bit unique on kind of the monarch stage. And in fact, Prince Hans and the monarchy there have some of the strongest constitutional powers given to them. In fact, they have constitutional powers between Prince Hans and his son. Their constitutional powers are largely unmatched in all of Europe. But the people there are usually okay with that because, as I mentioned, the, their kind of weird situation with their monarchs being in business, they're actually in the banking industry, and also some of the tourist appeal there has kept their country incredibly prosperous. But kind of tying in with those views, and this doesn't go with him, this also goes way back to other monarchs, probably one of the most fascinating things about Liechtenstein is its security and defense policy. Now, within the country, they're run by the Liechtenstein National Police. They're responsible for keeping orders, about 125 total employees. That's not, even, that's not just the officers, that's officers plus staff. And they have one of the world's lowest crime rates, so it's very, very safe. Uh, it has very few people in prison. And there's a lot of cooperation between them 
uh, their police force and the police forces of the two countries that border them, Switzerland and Austria. So it's very crime-free. And this kind of carries over to their international defense. They, they have an official policy of neutrality, so they do not really take sides on a lot of conflicts. And they're one of the few countries in the world that does not maintain a military anymore. Now, they used to, and that's obviously what we'll get to in a second with this story when they did go to war. They used to actually go to war a fair amount, kind of back when they were occupied by other countries. The Turks overran their main castle uh, a couple times in like the 1500s and 1600s. But ever since kind of the late 1800s, Liechtenstein has not fielded a single military member. And in fact, the last soldier who actually served in the military for Liechtenstein died back in the late 1930s. So they haven't had any military members. And in fact, most of their population now doesn't even have any really re recollection of soldiers at all. Not, e not obviously ones that fought, but even ones that were just alive. But let's talk about this time when they did have a military. So the last time they really had military operations was during what was called the Austro-Prussian War, or the War of 1866. Uh, it was known as a few different things depending on where you were from. It's called the Seven Weeks War, the Unification War. In Germany, they just called it the German War. But it was fought between the Austrian Empire and the Kingdom of Prussia. Now, they both had various allies within kind of the German Confederation that existed at the time. Uh, you also had allies with the Kingdom of Italy and... This was kind of a, it was part of, I should say, a wider rivalry that had been taking place over many years between Austria and Prussia. Now, this was a war that lasted from mid-June till kind of late July of 1866, and Liechtenstein factored into this conflict. Officially, Liechtenstein was on the side of Austria, but they were more or less considered neutral in this conflict. Now, they did send out this army of 80 men, and their whole purpose was essentially to guard the border with, with Italy. Uh, and so they went out, and they kind of camped around for, I believe it was something like six weeks or so. And, and they essentially spent you know, six weeks in bad weather, camping kind of the top of this high mountain pass near the Italian border. So they did a fair amount of guarding this, this border, but they didn't actually get engaged in any sort of fighting. So they didn't take any casualties. And in September, this group of men, after they'd started marching back home, eventually made it safely back to Liechtenstein. And they were joyfully received by everybody involved, but they actually came back with an extra man, someone they didn't leave with. Now, the reports of who this person was are a little bit vague. You'll hear it either described as an Italian or an Austrian, probably a citizen of one, but ethnically born in the other country. But uh, this was some sort of liaison who came with them, kind of escorted them back and and a few stories here actually claim that he was on the way to Liechtenstein anyway looking for work and so they picked him up along the way and he joined them and returned back home and so Liechtenstein managed to get involved in a military conflict take zero casualties and actually return back home with an extra man that they didn't have before so they returned home with more men than they left with. Now, interestingly, this Austro-Prussian War had some pretty strong implications for Liechtenstein because it meant the end of the German Confederation. Now, the German Confederation was a, an agreement, an association of German-speaking states across Central Europe. There were about 39 of them, I believe, at the time. And it was basically built in the early 1800s to coordinate some of the economies of these German-speaking countries and also to replace what had been the Holy Roman Empire which had dissolved a few years prior to this, this confederation. Now, when the confederation 
died out, and a lot of people thought it was weak for many, many years, but this Austro-Prussian War is what ultimately killed it. Liechtenstein was freed from their international obligation that was part of this treaty to maintain an army. And so the parliament seized this opportunity and basically cut all funding for their military. They refused to provide funding for any sort of military. The prince at the time was not super happy about it. He thought it was going to leave their country defenseless. But eventually he relented. And a couple of years later, the force was entirely disbanded. And so this case of Liechtenstein sending out 80 men, coming back with 81, is actually the last military operation that Liechtenstein has ever been involved in. And in fact, I think that makes it kind of a, a cute little adorable story about this tiny country in Europe. Because, you know, you send out 80 soldiers, you make a friend and bring them back home with you get no injuries, no casualties, and you actually increase your population by one. Now, over the years since, Liechtenstein actually has gotten involved a little bit, not militarily, but with other countries' militaries. During the 1980s, uh, the Swiss army was doing some sort of military exercise, practicing firing off shells, and they accidentally burned down a patch of forest inside Liechtenstein. And so while Liechtenstein itself was not fighting or anything they did get involved here and the incident was actually largely resolved over a case of, of wine that was sent from the swiss to Liechtenstein, and that was that uh, there was another case of military involvement in Liechtenstein just about a decade ago in 2007 there was a 170 person infantry unit from switzerland that was again on a training exercise and somehow managed to get lost and as part of getting lost they inadvertently marched about a mile into Liechtenstein. So there was this accidental invasion by the Swiss into Liechtenstein. Uh, the unit realized their mistake without really anybody prompting them, turned around and went back. And the Swiss army later, you know, tells Liechtenstein of what happened, offered official, like, formal apologies. And the internal ministry spokesperson reportedly responded, no problem, these things happen. This was just an error in orienting themselves. Uh, bad weather, middle of the night. And it was really hard to tell. They didn't see the border. The incident caused no political stir. It gets played down by pretty much everybody involved. And a lot of times the Swiss actually kind of view Liechtenstein as a one of their own little states. Even, even though Liechtenstein is, more, is very independent, they are a sovereign country, they're very similar to Switzerland. They actually speak the same dialect of German that you find in uh, that little region of Switzerland. They spend the same money. They use the Swiss franc in, in Liechtenstein as well. And frequently people cross over the border as if there is no border. They go back and forth very easily. So they're very similar in nature. And while Liechtenstein does act sovereign, sovereignly, uh, they you know, are a member of the United Nations. They are part of the European economic area. They are not part of the EU, but they are part of several uh, economic organizations and other international organizations but this is kind of a, a cutesy story between two countries that are neutral policy-wise switzerland and Liechtenstein, that involved an accidental in invasion of one into the other so if your country ever gets involved in a failed military action that nobody really notices right first you just turn around sneak back home as quickly and quietly as you can and then the next day you call and issue a formal apology and that seemed to work pretty well Liechtenstein was okay with that now, of course, that makes a lot of sense because Liechtenstein doesn't really have any anything worth invading for. They don't have military programs. They don't have a nuclear program. They don't have any weapons of mass destruction. 
Uh, they didn't really have anything along those sorts. In fact, I think I mentioned this earlier, and if I didn't, uh, they are the largest manufacturer of false teeth in the world. That's kind of their claim to fame. So there's not a whole lot there to invade, and I think both sides really understood that. So if you ever decide to visit Liechtenstein, uh, either just to say you've been, or to visit their art museum, or to go skiing, or something along those lines, now you've got a couple stories in your back pocket about the country that you can understand kind of where they're coming from. Now, of course, if you do go there, as I mentioned, no train station. They actually don't have an international airport either, so you kind of have to get there by car or by bus. Uh, to get there from Switzerland, it's actually by bus. But I would highly recommend looking into it. It's uh, a country that it's been described as if Liechtenstein didn't exist, someone would have invented it. It's kind of a, a funny little principality in the mountains governed by a, a monarch you know, in the heart of 21st century Europe, it's kind of a novelty state. And it has a lot of these little weird, quirky stories of their of the way they react and inter interact with other countries uh, from, as I said, you know, accidentally getting invaded and just saying no problem to going on military excursions and instead of fighting, making friends along the way and bringing them home with you. So if you ever do decide to add Liechtenstein to your travel itinerary, please let me know what you think. It sounds like a, a very charming little country in the middle of Europe. And it's definitely on my travel itinerary at some point. I would definitely love to visit this microstate. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and close out the episode. I hope you enjoyed this little tidbit of peculiar politics. A little fascinating bit of military international relations from the 1800s. From a pretty fascinating little country in and of itself. That story of their military picking up a friend and bringing him home with them is one of my favorite political stories. It's actually probably one of my favorite stories in, of all. It's just so happy and adorable for a little microstate to go to war and instead of fighting and losing people to just make a friend instead. But with that, I think we've reached the end of Nutshell Politics. So as always, find me on Twitter. My username is Justin R underscore Kinney. You can also find me on Facebook at J Robert Kinney. It's the name I write fiction novels under. Check out my books on Amazon. First one's out called Precipice. The second one should be coming out sometime this fall. So please find me on both platforms, follow me, and I'd be happy to continue these conversations with you there. If you're interested in supporting me, supporting this podcast, or advertising on the podcast, please get in contact with me. I would be happy to talk with you more about that possibility going forward. And if you have a topic you would like me to cover in international politics as well, some specific event of history or something going on in current events, or really just the political theory in general, please hit me up, let me know what that is, and I'll do my best to incorporate it into a future episode. But until next time... This is Nutshell Politics. I'm Justin Kinney, and I'm out in three, two, one. And that's it for today on Nutshell Politics. As always, check me out on social media on Twitter at Justin R underscore Kinney. And if you're a fiction reader, you can find me on Facebook under my author name, J. Robert Kinney, and my books on Amazon. I appreciate you guys, and thanks for listening.